0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Today, we live at a unique point in human history where data is becoming the new currency. Beyond oil, dollars, and social status, data is emerging as one of the most powerful and consequential currencies around the globe. Technology. Computer processing, cloud storage and artificial intelligence are empowering these data to transform zeros and ones into insightful and even profound realizations about almost every aspect of our lives. I'm John Nasta. And this is FutureDose.Tech with your hosts, Dr. Timothy Ungst and Megan Chilcott. Technology, pharmacy, and better healthcare delivery. By creating more efficient, higher quality concierge-like pharmacist services, we can transform from the pharmacist of yesterday into the future provider of pharmacy tomorrow. FutureDose.Tech is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, the global leader in pharmacy podcasting and the largest, most influential network of podcasts about the profession and business of pharmacy.
1: Pharmacy Podcast Nation, this is Todd Yuri, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Excited today, two podcasts in one FutureDose.Tech. Megan Shilcott talking about. Technologies before their time. Interesting concepts and ideas from Megan. Then Dr. Timothy Ungst talks about new insulin management technology from Novo Nordisk. Novo Nordisk delivering something new that Tim will be reviewing. What about your ideas on future technology in pharmacy in healthcare? Tweet us Instagram at pharmacy. Podcast, send us an email. Publisher at pharmacypodcast.com. 24 stations, 30 plus farmds. This network is growing, delivering to you, the pharmacy professional, the healthcare provider, the best in podcasting, in the pharmacy industry. Become part of this, share, give us a rating over on iTunes. We're building out a new studio in Hiller, Pennsylvania. In Fayette County, south of Pittsburgh. New recording studio, new meeting rooms, higher production value, more frequent podcast releases. We're excited about 2019. And here we go with the latest FutureDose.Tech. Check it out, FutureDose.Tech. And we always thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
2: Hello, this is Dr. Timothy Youngs, founder of the Digital Apothecary, associate professor of MCPHS University, and host of Future Dose, a podcast for the Pharmacy Podcast Network. So today I thought it would be very interesting to talk about a recent announcement that came from Novo Nordisk. And what just happened was they announced that they're going to be releasing two new insulin pens. And what's interesting about these insulin pens is that they're going to be so-called connected. But what that really means is they're powering on the Internet of Things, and what that comes back to is how, how they can connect between a mobile device and the insulin pen through probably Bluetooth uh, technology. So as I get into this conversation, I think it's good to recap where we're at. If you followed some of the stuff I've written about in the past, you can tell that I'm a very big champion of what's coming to be called digital medicines. Now, digital medicines doesn't technically have a huge definition at this time, um, kind of like all things in digital health, uh, definitions change all over the place. I remember when I started in this field about a decade ago almost, and we were calling it mobile health or m-health, and that terminology has really dropped off in favor of digital health. And, you know, when we talk about digital health, we have technology ranging from EHRs to telemedicine to wearables to mobile medical applications nowadays falling underneath. So. Some things that have been coming up in our digital health arm that are pretty big is this area of digital therapeutics or prescribable um, technology for healthcare, and digital medicines is another one. Probably one of the biggest pushers for the digital medicine definition, I would say is Proteus Digital Health, who I'm hoping to have eventually on this uh, podcast. But t- going back to this is, if we talk about digital medicines, are basically smart enabled medications that can track and real time utilization or adherence and help use it for clinical outcomes, I think not just oral medications, but others fall into this category. And that includes those that have interesting delivery mechanisms. So inhalers is a big one. And we've seen companies like Propeller Health or Adherium get into that market. And then we also have injectables. So injectables is pretty broad as well, but I think one of the biggest markets is going to be diabetes. and When we look at the current therapeutic market with cardiometabolic syndromes being the biggest concern right now, due in large part to the rising obesity rate in the United States coupled with um, a higher prevalence and growing incidence of diabetes and then conjunctively that then leading to cardiovascular events, I mean that's a large cost. So we have insulin then that is likely to become a huge market player in the next few years for management of diabetes. And I don't know about you, but I, this has always been an area that I struggle with with patients in terms of just checking adherence. And all too often, I hear patients say, oh, I'm, uh, long-acting insulin, rapid-acting or so, and I'm using it and I, maybe I forget a dose or something right uh, every now and then, or I forget to check my sugar levels using self-monitoring blood glucose device at home, and then you have instances such as hypoglycemia or not meeting therapeutic target ranges that occur. Um, and that's always a struggle perhaps one of the most biggest therapeutic areas of using insulin that that has always been a big problem for me is um, sliding scale insulin which while I don't like to see used clinically is still highly utilized I think especially in post discharge care for some patients and that's probably one of the most problematic areas especially for patients that may not be the best informed or have high health literacy in terms of how to manage their diabetes with insulin so Coming back into this, how do we develop tools to help out? And we've seen some really fascinating things pop up in the past few years in discussions. So you have Google with the Verily Project, who has been teaming up with Novartis Alcon to develop a smart uh, contact lens, so to say, that can go on the eye and detect in real-time glucose level in the body. You have other companies that are pursuing continuous glucose monitoring devices, or CGM. Dexcom is probably one of the biggest ones out there and basically, it's a patch that you can wear and that can measure your glucose in real time continuously about every minute. And then we see also Freestyle Libre enter the market and some of you guys may see now on your shelves and stocking it, which is a little sensor that people put on their upper arm and they can wear and they can also count, um, detect in, um, sugar levels. So, the diabetes market is blowing up, I think, in the digital health space. So, when Novo Nordisk said that they were going to bring these smart insulin pens to market, I'm not really surprised, because the fact of the matter is that this is the next big area to get into therapeutically. It's kind of inevitable. I think almost all medications in one facet or another will be a digital medicine this century. It's just a question of how quickly does this occur. Now, Novo Nordis announced that there are two pens they're going to bring out. One's going to be the Novo Pen 6 and then the Novo Pen Echo Plus. There's no images out there of what these look like, or really big descriptions, but they're saying that they plan to bring these pens to market in the first or second quarter of two thousand nine. I mean two thousand nineteen, and um, they've also explored partnerships with IBM and Gluco, and Gluco is another company that's been known for diabetes management. But they're also partnering with Roche, which is kind of interesting because Roche has made a number of investments into diabetes, digital health space, and Dexcom. So they're coming out big because they're trying to team up with all these different companies. And I can't say that's really not a bad thing because Eli Lilly has actually been big in this market for some time. They've actually have some developments been going on, I want to say since about 2015, when they've been working on smart pumps and smart insulin pens. So. It's not really surprising that Noble sees Eli Lilly's big movements into space as a competition move, and in order to get out there, they're going to have to come out swinging. So with that being the case, when Noble and announced that they had all these partnerships they're exploring and they want to hit this market pretty hard, I would say that was kind of like their only choice, because at this point in time, with Eli Lilly maybe a little further ahead, Noble has to carve out some of this market for themselves. So as um, Novo Nordisk decides that they're going to compete with Eli Lilly, it really brings into a question of for pharmacy in terms of how are we going to keep up with this stuff. I think one of the biggest concerns I have with all these digital medicine products entering the market is um, just the sheer amount of what kind of information is going to come out for patients and how do they use it and such. I would say one of the biggest things that strike me is there's a big technology component here, and for most educational pharmacists, we really talk about drug therapeutics. We talk about disease treatment guidelines, evidence-based medicine, but we never really go into detail so much about, well, technology support. And that's what this is, a huge tech support con- uh, conundrum. I'm really hoping that a lot of these companies, such as Abilify, site from Otsuka, Eli Lilly, uh, Novo, as they try to bring these products more to market, they really engage in a lot of CEs or educational components for pharmacists and other allied healthcare professionals are going to touch on these medications because patients are going to ask us questions all the time. And in this case, I can see a patient getting a smart insulin pen and saying to a pharmacist, well, how do I sync it? What do I do? What app do I get? Um, And I can see a lot of marketing teams saying, well, we gave them all the information, but let's be quite honest. Um, Patients like to talk to someone directly, and that's going to be a big thing. So I think there's going to be a tech support component here that it's really going to be interesting from an educational standpoint for pharmacists to really catch up on. Otherwise, you're, I can see so many phone calls going to these companies saying, well, how do I do this? How do I micromanage that? And just being a huge conundrum overall. And I, I think that's one of my biggest concerns this is right now as this stuff gets rolled out. The other thing that's going to be quite interesting besides just a tech support educational component for patients and between pharmacists is going to be this data. So what does this data mean and what will it do for patient care? It's, I mean, it's nice to make something smart. And uh, in, the, in the very basic component, you have a insulin pen that I'm going to assume has the features that allow you to, one, basically track when something was given, two, track how much was given. And if they have these partnerships with other companies and measure, let's say, blood glucose levels, with a CGM device and you can say in real time how much of a drop in blood glucose was there and pinpoint if hypoglycemic events occur and what to do about them. And then along with that is the question of, you know, you have all these patients' data. Can we now do real time evidence in terms of how we can look at therapeutic outcomes for patients basically maybe using claims data or something else in tracking adherence Um, And this is something that I think that is going to jump out here. And, and that comes back to this next part. Novo didn't just announce that it's going to, going to bring bring out a smart insulin pet. What they also talked about, and this is what really struck my attention, was they're forming a partnership with Flex Digital Health as a customer using the Bright Insight platform. So Flex Digital Health is really what they do is they create kind of like I don't wanna go too in depth, but they basically work in multiple industries where they try connecting sketch to scale solutions that help bridge products and platforms integrating any internet service. So in basic terms, you have a device that can track adherence and how much insulin is given. So how do you get that data onto a platform that can capture all this and analyze it? And this gets into the whole thing about big data analytics, um, possible artificial intelligence being merged into there. Because as I said, one thing that strikes me as, as we see diabetes constantly become um, embraced in this digital health space, this hypoglycemia thing seems to be something that is going to be something a lot of companies will talk about and target from a patient's safety standpoint. And if you kept up with the literature, you can see that hypoglycemic events are probably one of the number one reasons, um, probably behind um, anticoagulants for why elderly patients are admitted to an ER for a drug, uh, adverse drug reaction. So I think catching that's going to be huge. So if you have this technology like a CGM that can say, ah, this person's dropping down, we need to send an alert to the patient to do something to get the sugar back up. And then also, let's suppose that Flex has the ability to analyze all this stuff, and then we can build it back to clinicians saying, hey, um, your patient's um, sugars have been dropping a lot. With this new dose of insulin, you may want to scale back. And that could be based on a personal touch point. But I also think what we're going to get to is an area soon that's going to be kind of cool where all this technology works together to help patients with self-dosing of their um, insulin to reach a target glucose level that we can measure in real time so we can find what is a magic number. And along with that is also social and dietary considerations in terms of exercise, sleep habits, uh, what people are eating and calories they're taking throughout the day because then you can find that magic number and you can find out how much insulin a person should be getting and such. So self-titration I think could be very well managed at that point. So yeah, coming back to this, it's it's a really fascinating area and I think endocrinology is going to be very on a huge uptake with digital health here soon and thanks to no small part of a lot of the digital medicines with insulin coming to market I think is going to be a big player. So yeah I mean that's that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you guys about today just this exciting uh, news regarding uh, what Nova's doing and if you weren't aware of it even Eli Lilly was involved with it. So going forward um, other things to consider is the fact that we also have on the market what I call smart devices that have been created to basically help upgrade current smart insulin pens. And what they are, they're caps that fit onto pens. And some of them are just reminders that have like an alarm on there that you attach to an insulin pen and it just goes says, okay, time for your next dose. And some of them are pretty cool. They even have like a built-in thermometer that can keep the temperature. Others will actually sync up with a nap to help do carb counting and tell you how much insulin to give as a full platform. And a lot of these are coming to the market, FDA approved. So even though we're seeing Novo and Eli again to market with uh, these smart insulin pens, the one thing I'm probably going to be very caveat about is the fact that it's only going to be for their insulin products, most likely. So with patients that may be on different insulin devices or different insulin across, and so there's still going to be a market for smart devices that are kind of um, insulin company agnostic, I should say, and. That's gonna be kind of I think the big fight here is all these companies that are making these smart devices recognizing that smart insulin pens are coming out to the market and that's gonna be a huge competition. If you wanna see more about those, you can go onto my website and you can see under um, my digital health companies list, there's a medication adherence subcategory and there you can see all the different companies I've identified that make these things. And along with that then it expands to what's next in terms of other digital areas. I will not be surprised if that in the next few years, even next year, we hear about any companies that are going to bring um, inhalers onto the market also with smart sensors built into them. Again, I have mentioned Propeller Health Adherium and a few others out there have built sensors that can be attached to a... Inhaler to make it digitified or make it smart that you can count and track Actuations in real time which for an asthma and COPD population is pretty valuable making sure they're uh, adhering to long-term therapy but also watching and making sure that if they start using their SABA through breakthrough you need to contact them before their exacerbation but um, I'm, I'm I'm gonna go on a limb here and say with Novo Eli getting to this market with other companies like Otsuka interested in digital medicines, we're going to see the next digital medicine classic blows up would probably be the inhalers. I'm going to say that we'll see also those come onto market directly with a um, smart sensor built into them. And, you know, globally this is all cold. I think there's a big population here, the specialty medicine po- uh, category that can really track into this. I think ambulatory care, especially for high-risk populations of patients, this is going to be really big. Um, The question that's always going to be coming back is going to be who's going to pay for this. And while I'm seeing a lot of this technological development, I'm not seeing a lot of evidence come into play. I'm not seeing a lot of studies about the benefit of a lot of this technology in the smart insulin or smart inhaler market Um, directly. I I would say Adherium has done a lot of good work there. Um, Proteus Digital Health has done a lot of work there as well. But smart insulin pens I have seen little no research about to a huge extent, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how uh, PEAR is going to go into this field. But I think that's going to be the next battleground. I'm actually really excited to see what kind of clinical studies coming out dictating what patients should be on this kind of stuff and, and what time to maybe intervene. Going beyond all this is also going to be a discussion in terms of the research that's going to come out of this stuff, as I mentioned and how to really use it, and the payers, who's going to pay for it. And I think it's also just going to be a really big consideration in terms of the therapeutic benefit overall. I I think one of the biggest struggles with digital medicines in the short term is going to be just showing that this stuff works. I think it's going to be inevitable that we see almost all technology embedded into some medications through some form or other but I think it's just gonna take a little bit of time to see a huge body of evidence, a huge uptake by supporters for it. So we're kind of like in the interim area. Uh, I've heard other people in the digital therapeutics markets talking about we're kind of entering this new age, but it's really kind of new. It's not really gonna be taking off as quickly as a lot of companies would hope it would. So bringing this all together, I hope you enjoyed this talk about these smart insulin pens and a little bit of discussion about digital medicines. And keep in contact and feel free to tweet me or message me on LinkedIn about any other products you'd like me to go into detail in the future. So have a good day. And this is Timothy from Future Dose and founder of the Digital Apothecary. Have a good day.
0: Hey, Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Here's a quick message from our sponsors supporting the PPN QD.
3: If you or your patients struggle with muscle cramps, spasms, soreness, or restless-like syndrome, you're going to want to hear about our non-opioid TheraWorks Relief. Theraworks Relief is a clinically proven and published locally acting topical solution that prevents and relieves muscle cramps, spasms, and soreness in the legs and feet. In a research study including patients diagnosed with restless leg syndrome, Theraworks Relief was shown to reduce symptoms commonly associated with accompanying RLS, including muscle cramps and spasms. Muscle cramps are reported as a side effect of hundreds of prescription medications, from intravenous iron sucrose and conjugated estrogens to statins and diuretics. By managing muscle cramps, Theraworks Theraworks Relief supports adherence, helping patients stay on important and often life-saving medications. Theraworks Relief comes in an easy-to-use, fast-absorbing, non-greasy foam that can prevent muscle cramps and spasms with just a few simple applications a day. To learn more about Theraworks Relief, go to theraworksrelief.com and click on the Healthcare Professional link.
4: Greetings, this is Megan Shelcott, Senior Vice President of Order Insight and co-host of Futuredose.tech. I would like to talk to you today about technologies available before their time. So I watched an interesting uh, Radio Hour video this morning by Daniel Kraft, and that's K-R-A-F-T. You can Google him and watch his video on YouTube. I encourage you to. It's a very interesting uh, conversation. And the topic is the pharmacy of the future, personalized pills and 3D printing at home. So as a prescriber, he's endorsing personalized medication. And I am a huge advocate of uh, personalized medication, 3D printing. I find it extremely interesting. But what I've actually seen, or as a technologist, what I worry about is, are these technologies available before their time? And I say that because probably 10 years ago when we were really starting to see technologies available like uh, remote wheel call bins, remote filling machines and automation, the self-serve kiosks, and these technologies came about, they made a lot of sense. It gave more access to patients, to medications, without having to visit a pharmacy when the pharmacy was open necessarily, and it, it just made sense. But what we found was that it was really hard to put these technologies into place. The reason why is because you have to go through regulatory uh, hurdles in order to get these technologies approved. And that's your state boards of pharmacy who oversee uh, the medications. And having gone through that process myself, having uh, visited the state boards of pharmacies and and seeing what their concerns are, what they're advocating for the patients, obviously, uh, patient safety is of, of more most importance. But the fact is, is that we do have these technologies available, and to me, those types of technologies were available before their time. Uh, they the. Technology was there, the hardware was there, the software was there, the concept was solid. But we weren't ready as an industry, as a pharmacy industry, to accept those technologies into our day-to-day practices. Now, that came straight to my mind when I started watching Daniel Kraft's uh, video this morning because he's endorsing or has made with, with his group... A personalized poly pill that's optimized to the patient and the, the patient gets to take one pill and uh, that's the best thing you know obviously it makes a lot of sense that you're not taking multiple medications the medication is the exact strength that you need it to be but then in my, the back of my mind I start to think of all of these different scenarios and problems that can arise from having this type of technology essentially Uh, What he's saying is that uh, at the beginning, this isn't going to go straight to someone's home. This will obviously be available maybe at a doctor's office or in a pharmacy, but eventually that you could potentially have it in your home. Well, so if we were able to do 3D printing of medications in our homes, what type of Problems could arise from that? I mean, I think, uh, you know, you've got massive security concerns. How would we ensure that uh, the device was not hacked and creating, you know, controlled substance medications where, uh, you know, we've already got this opioid epidemic that we're trying to solve for? And in addition, how would a board of pharmacy... Then keep track and control each of these devices that exist now in doctors' offices or at pharmacies or or in the home. And I also have to ask myself, well, what happens? That how would how how would an insurance bill for this is is uh, the insurance going to cover you know giant? Uh, quantities of materials that are needed for these 3D printers in order to keep them in your home. Now, I'll go back to, I support the concept, I absolutely love the concept, but I don't know if this is the type of technology that we're ready for today. Uh, even though it makes an enormous amount of sense. Uh, One thing that Dr. Kraft said during his presentation was that, you know, we have all these smart devices. You've got, you know watches that can manage your blood pressure. You have uh, blood pressure machines at home that can sync up to the internet. We, We have all of these tools available at our disposal, which means that on the fly, in theory, we could change your medication to be exactly what you need for that particular day, for that particular dose. And that's probably the absolute best thing for the patient. I just have a difficult time seeing how we're going to take this technology and actually put it into a practical environment. And I think that a great visionary, I think that Dr. Craft is going to, uh, we're going to see this. I expect we will see it in in the next couple of years, starting to make progress, most likely in doctors' offices uh, or in pharmacies. And uh, eventually, I don't know that it'll ever make it to the actual, uh, patient home just because the security risk with, I mean, I would hate to see a hacker get, a, involved with a device and then give the medication, you know, give the patient the wrong medication dosage or the wrong medication at all. Uh, and you also have human error. Patients are not... Uh, always, you know, say, experts in uh, how something should actually be working. So I, those are the kind of points that I took away from from his presentation, which, like I said, I I want to see us doing these things. I think that there's a, there's a market for it and it's somewhere that we should be going. But my question is, you know, Where and when and how are we going to actually be implementing these types of technologies? And my fear as a technologist is that if you hit too many hurdles, will the technology be able to continue and thrive in the industry? Because, you know, putting investing you know he showed his machine in the youtube video and investing in that type of technology and putting all the minds and the work towards it it's very expensive and how long is he going to be working and pushing these hurdles until eventually we get to actually use this product so there it is what technologies do you know that are here before their time and how can we find a way to ensure that they are successful and that we can use them in the best ways possible. This is Megan Shulcott, co-host of Futuredose.tech, and I hope you enjoyed uh, my discussion today around technologies before their time. Thank you
0: for listening to futuredose.tech if you enjoyed this episode please share this podcast on your favorite social media outlets be sure to stay connected to the pharmacy podcast network and return for your next futuredose.tech episode coming soon